Parker. Once again, to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast. My name is Syke, and joining me, as always, here on SJP World Media, looking at the crazy world of London Nitro and beyond, is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we, my friend? I'm really well, mate. How's yourself? Pretty good, bud. Pretty good. I mean, it's been so long since we last spoke. <laughs> It certainly has, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, like we mentioned on last week's episode, or last week's episode as it's released, um, we've tried to record a few in bulk. So Danny and I last spoke literally a couple of hours ago, recording last week's episode of Nitro Nights. Uh, But on the plus side of that, the excitement on the end of last week's Nitro didn't have us waiting too long to get into this week's Nitro. Uh, Neither of us could wait to press play, could we, Danny? No, absolutely not, mate. And there we go. This week's episode of Monday Nitro first aired on the 2nd of September 1996 from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, And again, Monday Night Raw was not on the air due to the US Open Golf Tournament. And Nitro received a 4.3 in the ratings. So up a touch on last week again. So everything's heading in the right direction for them, it seems, my friend. It certainly is, mate. And you can definitely tell. Mm, indeed indeed uh before we get into what happened here on monday nitro however we better have a little recap about what happened for wcw in the world of world championship wrestling so to speak over the course of the weekend with danny's look at saturday night wcw saturday night is brought to you by me scottish danny certainly so this one was a bit of a weird one um, because really? we had... It's because none of the yeah. others have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, to start off, we had the Giant versus the Renegade. Okay. So we also had Ice Train defeating Kurosawa, who we haven't seen on Nitro in a couple of months. No, we haven't, have we? He's been, he's been away for a while. Yeah. And making his Saturday night debut, Chris Jericho defeated... Ed- JL. Ah, the mystery man. No one knows who he is, according to Tony Shawnee. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, we also had Rick Steiner battling the Nasty Boys to a no contest in a handicap match. I wonder where Scott Steiner was. Ah, interesting. Because there's something that pops up on this episode of Nitro that makes me wonder what's going on with the Steiners as well, to be honest. But we'll get to that shortly. You're right, you're right, yeah. Uh, we also had Diamond Dallas Page defeating Billy Kidman. Okay. Yep, that sounds exciting. And you also had uh, Scott Norton defeating Bobby Walker. And in the semi-main event, you had the Barbarian and Meng defeating Craig Pittman and Cobra. But for the main event, and I actually really want to seek this one out as well, Lord Stephen Regal pinning the television champion Lex Luger to win the WCW Television Championship. Whoa, really? So, so Luger is no longer TV champion. That title yeah. changed hands. Yep, he's just dropped it to Regal. On the, and the they don't first. mention it at all on Nitro. I would be none the <laughs> if you didn't do this little recap of WCW Saturday Night. I would have no idea that had happened. Yeah. It's it's just shocking. I mean, he hardly carried it around with him anyway, but this title change, I, I'm shocked it wasn't on Nitro. This is ridiculous. Why haven't they... I mean, don't get me wrong, the title change being on Saturday night, 
doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah, that's that, that's fine. But why just not acknowledge it at all on television? You've had one of your championships. It's not like WWE present day when there's 47 championships across the, across the various shows. And, you know, it seems like everyone has a title of some description. It's not like that at all. You've got your world title. Then you've got the United States title. Then you've got the TV title. Okay, you've got the cruise weights as well, but that's a different different thing. Now, you look at the size of the roster WCW are building because it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. That's not many belts to go around, is it? No. Which is the way it should be, because being a champion should mean something. If you've got too many titles, it waters it down. Yeah. So when one of these title belts changes hands, effectively a variation of a world title, because they were always referenced as the world TV champion, to not talk about it, not let anyone know, when the guy who just dropped the championship is quite a prominent player quite a prominent in a prominent position on your main television show he's on the screen quite a bit so not bring it up is insane it is mate and i was thinking as i was reading that um could they have done this to protect lex luger to make him not look weak in the slightest but saying that they could have had an nwo member run out and cost lex luger the uh, television title that's a missed opportunity right there yeah, potentially. I can see where you're coming from. I, I, I don't know if it'd be necessary, but I can totally see where you're coming from. would have added more heat to that angle, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And uh, Regal as well. Last time we saw Regal on Nitro, he looked fantastic, didn't he? He was so yeah. good. And he has just won a singles title here. And he's not getting his, his just desserts. He's not getting praised or any publicity He's just won a championship and he's not even mentioned on the main show. It's insane. It's very, very strange indeed. But there we go. That's the world of WCW, I guess, my friend. Absolutely, mate. (laughs) Uh, This episode of Nitro begins with a recap of the last episode of Nitro and all the craziness that went on there before we hit the ring and see our opening contest of Diamond Dallas Page and he is taking on Alex Wright, two guys who I've been pretty impressed with whenever I've seen them in the last few weeks in ring. Paige seems to be sort of kind of finding out who he is. And Alex Wright, despite maybe not looking like a pro wrestler, kind of in ring is, is pretty spectacular at times, I think, Danny. He is, yeah. We've seen such good matches from him. Um, I really like these two. Like you said, it's like these are two just up-and-comers from um, the world of WCW. Mm. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, We do, all the way through this show, have constant reminders about Ted DiBiase arriving on Nitro last week and, you know, the commentary teams, you know, whether it's Shivani and Zabisco or Mike Tanay, who is now joining the commentary team, we're told, and, you know, Bischoff and Heenan talking about DiBiase the fourth man, the fifth man, and more people joining the NWO and so on. So, I mean, that's that's covered throughout the whole duration of this episode of Nitro. I'm not going to keep bringing it up, but you can imagine how much they hammer it home to those listening uh, li- listening to the podcast this week, Danny, can you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alex Wright starts well before DDP takes control after Alex Wright misses a crossbody. We get a pretty impressive, uh, almost like a, Tilt a world slam, I suppose, from Diamond Dallas Page. He sends him all around the houses for dropping him down. 
and a nice sit out power bomb as well by DDP before he goes for a cutter. It's countered into a massive belly to belly suplex. I mean, the thing with both of these guys is they're very slight, but they're very, very tall. So when you see things like the the power bomb from DDP or the belly to belly suplex from Alex Wright, they're going, I think, extra high in the air just simply because of how tall these guys are. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, mate. Yeah. I mean, after that belly-to-belly from Alex Wright, though, we basically just get the diamond cutter pretty much from nowhere for DDP to win. And the crowd pop when he hits that move again, which is great. I mean, the move is over, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, it really is, mate. I'm noticing week by week the crowds are getting louder and louder every time he hits it. So they're definitely going in the right direction with this. Yes, yes, indeed. It's definitely working. Uh, Mean Gene here after this match is ready to you know conduct one of his post-match interviews but he's not interested in diamond dallas page or alex wright he wants to speak with nick patrick and i suppose it's a sign of the times with the storylines and so on that nick patrick is the guy gene is interested in interviewing and it kind of everything kind of gets turned on its head a little bit nick patrick again is is very good on the microphone and he says that he's calling everything by the book uh, people are like being over zealous with the, the you know looking at his performances and so on, and he actually blames Gene for all the controversy for causing issues where there aren't any. And I thought that was a nice little twist to what they're doing, Danny. It really is, mate. I mean, I'm loving this storyline as well. Um, he's like he's trying to get the heat off of himself, so he's putting it on Mean Gene, much like um, last week when Mean Gene was accused of being on Hulk Hogan's boat. Poor guy's not can't catch a break, can he? I reckon he's a little troublemaker on the side, <laughs> and nobody thinks about it because it's just nice old Mean Gene. And, yeah, you know, but, no suspicions oh, for Mean Gene. <laughs> no, not, not at all. But did you notice that? Each week, Nick Patrick's boos are getting louder. Yes, and he was booed very, very heavily this week, wasn't he? Yeah. And that heel moustache, that, that, that goatee beard he's growing, is getting more and more bad guy-esque by each passing yeah. show, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, after this, we go to an ad break, and we see Marcus Bagwell trying to sell nitro denim shirts or wcw denim shirts and he's there saying they feel great they look great and the women love them and i'm thinking yeah i'm not sure they do (laughs) if i walked into a pub uh, you know where i live now in gloucester in the uk if i walked into a pub in a wcw denim shirt I i guarantee first of all i'm not built like marcus bagwell so it wouldn't have that exact same effect. But secondly, I don't think there's a single lady in that establishment who would look at me in the way that I, you know, I'm being told will happen by Marcus Bagwell, to be fair. It would be a giant waste of money, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Gene pops up again here. The hardest working man in WCW, it would appear. And he is with Sensational Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker. No sign of Harlem Heat, just these two. And Parker is talking about, is it old twinkly eyes? He keeps calling her, is that correct? Um, yeah, twinkle eyes. It's a bit cringe, to be fair. And he's he's saying that he's promised her sitting out the front of his farm in this land he has and all this. 
and he's bought her some presents and she opens the presents and it's you know, leather waistcoats and all that sort of stuff that she could wear on the farm or with regards to being a sort of cowboy-esque, I suppose, would be a term you could potentially label it with. And Sherry's very, very excited about this. Uh, and then we leave and go straight to the ring where we see Harlem Heat, who are, of course, without Sherry, backstage messing around with the annoyance that is Colonel Parker. And they're taking on Buddy Valentino and Greg the Hammer Valentine. This just looked weird to me. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I would say what, the same. I mean, I've never heard of Buddy Valentino. Um, have you, sir? No, I did I did look him up. And yeah. he's, he, he, by the time he retired, he had over 45 years in the ring, wrestled for various companies and so on. He pops up a couple more times for WCW. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, I'll tell you what he looks like. And I'm not being mean here. I'm just, it's just part and parcel of the podcast, uh, part, part of our show that we put forward our opinions. For, and people can agree, disagree, whatever. Ultimately, this guy had a career in the wrestling business. I have not. Good luck to the fella. Yeah. However... If you remember 93 going into 94 WWF and you had you what well, 93 would probably be the best example and you had still you still had a lot of squash matches on television whether it was for superstars or whatever and you would have the wrestlers come to the ring whether it be a Shawn Michaels or a Tonka or a Bret Hart with their expensive decent looking ring gear they'd be tanned their hair would look fantastic the, the the ladies would scream probably some men did too and they looked like superstars and then they would just beat up the enhancement talent who had wrestling gear that looks older than all of my children <laughs> their hair looks like they dyed it at home uh, ju- just everything about them was second rate compared to the stars and they looked like lesser than versions of everybody else that's what this Buddy Valentino guy looks like. He looks like a 1993 jobber that The Undertaker is about to come down and squash in 90 seconds. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, that really does. Especially when you're standing next to someone as glorious looking as Greg Valentine. <laughs> Are you taking the piss? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, I do have to give them a shout out because a tag team name of Valentine and Valentino... That sounds like something from Miami Vice or something like that. Two bad guys from Miami, Vi- Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. Or they could be the, uh, the the police officers who, you know, they've been given just 48 hours to catch the bad guys. God damn it. Don't let me <laughs> down, Valentino, Valentine. You know, that kind of gimmick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Greg Valentine here already looks like he's about 75. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Valentino looks like he should be nowhere near a television camera in 1996. Harlem Heat, just by comparison, I suppose, look like absolute stars in, next to these guys. And, I mean, we'll, we'll get to what happens during the match in a moment, but to cover the actual contest itself, we're told Mike Tanay is joining the commentary team on a permanent basis. It's effectively a squash Harlem Heat win with the Harlem Hangover. Have I missed anything there from the match itself, Danny? Not at all. No, no. It was um, apart from Greg Valentine's uh, brutal elbow shots, um, which I'm always a fan of. Um, apart from that, yeah, um, we do get an appearance from somebody, though. Yes. Well, that was what I was going to get to after talking about this kind of 
I don't know, really strange early 90s WWF squash that's for some random reason on 1996 WCW TV. It's very odd. But yeah. <laughs> old Teddy turns up again, doesn't he? Ted DiBiase comes through the crowd in the same way he did last week. Um, I think looking fantastic with his black suit. And he looks like, again, I suppose, when you're looking at Buddy Valentino, DiBiase looks like a star. Yeah, <laughs> even with his all his gimmicks stripped down, mm. Teddy Biosi looks like the star here, apart from Harlem Heat. <laughs> yes, and he sits down in the crowd in a chair that's been left for him, obviously, because where he's sitting is basically in the middle of a walkway. And there's a couple of young girls sat either side of him who have blatantly been given four brawl T-shirts to wear because they're too big for them. And they're over the top of their normal clothes. They're basically, you know, it's, it, I don't know if they've been planted there or WCW have gone, these girls are going to be on television now. They must only be 10, 11, 12. Stick yeah. some merch on them quick because they're going to be on TV. Uh, <laughs> you know, because the shirts didn't fit. And I, I don't care, you know, how much your, your parents might, might think, oh, they'll grow into it. That was a that, that was a gift, I think, for yeah. WCW TV. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I wonder if they still have them. I hope so. <laughs> or maybe because it was WCW, as soon as the Diviossi, uh, the shots with Diviossi are done, they'd probably go back and say, right, give us the t-shirts back, girls, we're not paying for them. <laughs> uh, um, mean Gene is talking with Harlem Heat after this contest, and we're, we're told the Nasty Boys are now wrestling Harlem Heat at four ball. Which brings me back to our discussion about Scott Steiner. Steiner not appearing on Saturday night and Rick Steiner having a handicap match. I know Rick Steiner has a singles contest next week on WCW TV rather than a tag match. And now the, the four brawl tag team title match has been switched from Harlem Heat to the Nasty Boys. I'm, I'm, I can only assume that Scott's picked up an injury here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel like that too. I mean, later on we'll talk more about that. But yeah, it looks like I was very disappointed with that um, switch. But obviously injuries happen. But to the nasty boys, ooh, I don't know about that. But in one way, it makes sense because it was uh, about two weeks ago the nasty boys did proclaim they were coming after the tag belt. So yeah, I guess, I guess. And this uh, this interview with Gene. It's, it's what you'd expect, the Harlem Heat to talk about beating the Nasty Boys at four brawl and so on. And then the Nasties attack. So if this is a bit of a change direction, with only a couple of weeks left before the pay-per-view event, they're doing what they can to add heat to the angle with the Nasties attacking them on television, hitting, I think it was Booker T with a spike pile driver and so on. So I, I don't see what else they could have done, Danny, to be fair. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, we then get our, you know, what seems standard Glacier promo of the week. Um, on this occasion, Danny, we see lots of images of Glacier playing with sticks. Yeah, we certainly do. Mm. <laughs> and it, I feel he's getting ready, but I, especially with last week with Big Bubba Rogers, um, I feel like he's just, he may be warming up. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it doesn't take much longer. I got yeah. excited. I, the thing is, I say I get. I got excited last week when Bubba basically called him out. I know what goes on with the Glacier character and how it works and all that. My excitement is seeing your reaction to it because I know how excited you are. Yeah. 
I've got no reason to get excited for myself at all because oh. I, I know what happens already. <laughs> You know, so the fact that Bubba yeah. got me excited last week talking about Glacier coming to WCW and he wants a, a match with him and uh, effectively. And then this week we get nothing else. I'm kind of like, for God's sake, it feels like you're taking two steps back again. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, especially when you see what big Bubba Rogers is up to a bit later. Mm. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, what follows the Glacier promo, however, is uh, something that I really, really enjoyed. We have Dean Malenko, and he is battling the newly arrived Chris Jericho. It's only his uh, third match for WCW, I think they said. He had a match on Saturday night, Danny, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, against JL. Yes, that's right, yes. And, I mean, this is just great stuff. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you here, Danny. I've not been very professional I got so engrossed in this match, I've barely made any notes about it because I was just sat watching it because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. No, no don't apologise, mate. I mean, it was a really good contest, but unfortunately, somebody didn't share our opinion as Ted DiBiase left midway through. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, this was... Because it's, it's like, it's typical re- wrestling bubble, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, everyone's going, where's he going? What does this mean? Oh my God. Does this mean he's, he's, he's going to meet somebody else who's joining the NWO? Is he going to go and speak to the horseman? What is he doing? Oh my goodness. All this drama. And Larry Zabisco is just like, perhaps he's going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, exactly. You might be yeah. get a Coke or something. You might fancy a beer. You might be going to the loo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I just found it strange that of all matches for him to walk out on, it was this rather than a match with uh, Buddy Valentino and Greg Valentine versus Harlem Heat. <laughs> Perhaps Ted DiBiase is like Buddy Valentino's number one fan. He could be, yeah. <laughs> Valentino has sold like one T-shirt from his merch store and it's owned by Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> now, but in, in terms of this match, it, it was very good. Um, but we also got an announcement of Rey Mysterio will be taking on Super Kello at 4 Brawl. Yes, um, yes. Yep. And uh, I did notice a small ECW chant uh, going through, which seemed to... Um, shock Chris Joker as he looked at the crowd um, so maybe he was like oh yeah they recognise me also we have Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit um, announced for Fall Brawl as well which I'm very excited about that card um, is shaping up really well isn't it yeah it's going very very it's, it's just can't wait for this mate and um, yeah Chris Jericho and, and Dean Malenko trading a lot of high risks throughout this match Um Chris Jericho going for a missile drop kick, but only gets a two. And then Dean Malenko with a spike power driver, but also gets a two. And the finish comes when Dean goes for a standing switch, but Jericho reverses it into a roll-up and gets the win. And celebrates... He celebrates like he's just won the world championship, doesn't he? Yeah, but I don't mind that, because the commentators... The crowd at this point, when Jericho gets the win... The crowd at this point are really into Jericho, yeah, uh, and they're all cheering. And he, he, Jericho. I, I don't know if this was intentional or just coincidence. I mean, Jericho's a very clever guy. Maybe it was intentional. He almost kind of finds the pocket of fans in the front row that are really invested in his win, yeah, and goes to them. So when the camera cuts to Jericho, he's surrounded by fans who are really, you know, into what he has just done. And the commentators really sell it as a big upset. Yeah. This new yeah. guy, Jericho. And I suppose yeah. when you look at where these people are 
in in their respective careers. I mean, Jericho, we know how talented the guy is. He's been out and worked in Japan. He, he, he had a good run in Smoky Mountain Wrestling before this. And, and Mexico he wrestled in. And he's also he spent a lot of time in Canada as well and all that sort of stuff. We know he's not you know, some newcomer to the wrestling world. But to the WCW audience, he's new. Yeah, And he has just beaten Dean Malenko, who has been on TV for several months, an ex-Cruiserweight champion and so on. So the way it's been portrayed as a bit of an upset, I've got no issues with that. I think it does kind of work. Yeah. Yeah, especially because we've seen Dean have all these matches and this is Jericho's third match. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. Uh, we got a video package after this, though, for Rey Mysterio versus Super Calo at Four Brawl. I don't know gr- a great deal about Super Calo at this point, Danny. Um, looking at the video package, it looks like... Do you remember when the Hurricane had Rosie as his superhero in training? Yes. Yeah. And the ring gear that he used to wear? Yeah. <laughs> Super Calo looks like he might have inspired that. Ah, uh, yes. I was trying to make the connection, but yeah, you're right. His ring gear looks like kind of similar, sort of crappy 90s, <laughs> you know what I mean? But the clips yeah. show this guy flying all over the place and doing some pretty spectacular moves. So, yeah. you know, quite interested to see what he can do. I love the fact that they used uh, footage from ma- mainly WCW Saturday Night, which you could tell um, that gave me a big smile. <laughs> I bet it did. I bet it did. <laughs> <laughs> Our next contest is the always reliable, if somewhat bland, Brad Armstrong, and he is taking on the Giant. And the match begins with a couple of drop kicks from Brad Armstrong. The Giant is getting a lot of cheers here. He, he is over with this crowd, I think. Yeah. Um, before effectively the Giant takes control, but the commentators are talking about how he seems like he's got something on his mind. He's acting a bit uncharacteristic. Eventually wins the match with the choke slam. But that's not the big story here, because halfway through the match, what happens, Danny? It's Scottish Danny's limo count number nine. Nine. The ninth limo of the Nitro era. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And just to sort of hammer home who this might be in the limo, we have an NWO promo after the match. And it's, well, it's it's just Hogan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's... uh that's the thing the limo is arriving and you're just like who's in there um it didn't take away for this match for me because i thought that this match was a very competitive considering that a lot of squash matches we've seen the giant involved in i was glad brad armstrong was able to get that out of the giant mm, yes yeah and again the crowd reactions to the giant as well were quite yeah the, i think it's the strongest cheers we've seen for the giant in in our time watching this back yeah it would be yeah mm. uh, hogan in the nwo promo the usual black and white footage and so on uh, is talking about how this is the nwo belt now and wcw stands for world's cryingest wrestlers or some nonsense like that <laughs> and i mean it, it was as far as hogan promos go this was good yeah. but it missed hall and nash i think yeah yeah, I was going to say, it, it just, if you added them, even if they were just standing in the background, it would have been a bit better. But um, yeah, I, I, I wrote down um, what Hulk Hogan uh, said about his opponents for the uh, upcoming pay-per-view. Okay. He says, uh, Sting will be stung, L- Luger will be hung, 
Flair won't even be there and Arn won't even be Arn anymore. Right, oh, Hulk. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, but... <laughs> nah, nor me. Nor me. Yeah. But I suppose if you say it with enough conviction and yell brother at the end, people won't <laughs> notice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have the beginning of hour two now all the fireworks and so on go off. So our commentary team has changed as it does each week. And Bischoff explains this is now a year of Monday Nitro. This is the second hour of the second year, the 53rd episode of Monday Nitro, which is interesting to know, I guess, Danny. Yeah, it really is, mate. I mean, especially we've been doing this for over a year because um, we've had uh, like uh, other like little uh, show, bonus shows and things like that. So, yeah, happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, there you go, mate. Yeah, so I mean, we're on, what are we on, episode 65, I think, 66, yeah. this may well be. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, and to open the second hour of the first second hour of the second year of Monday Nitro, all the dynamic, charismatic guys we have available on the roster, and we have Ron Studd. <laughs> yeah, the Yeti. Here comes the Yeti. <laughs> he is facing Randy Savage. I mean, that makes sense, I suppose, because Savage is going up against the Giant at four brawl. So Savage wants to face a big guy beforehand. We got told, interestingly enough, that Ron Studd was trained by Big John Studd. And that's why he's took the surname in homage to his trainer. I don't know if that's true. No. <laughs> um I want to say if they mention it on television, it is true. But yeah, that's one thing I actually forgot to look up. I mean, you say if they're mentioning it on television, it must be true. I will point you very quickly to the fact that we regularly were told that the giant is Andre's son. (laughs) So maybe that line of thinking doesn't always hold true. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Uh, this match is basically, as you would expect, I guess it's the size and power of stud against savage who spends most of his time selling before um stud is sent to the outside savage hits an axe handle off the top rope to the outside gets him back in the ring manages to body slam ron stud which was pretty spectacular hits his hits his incredible top rope elbow and wins the match but in the middle of that we cut to the outside again and this limo don't we danny yes talk us through what we see here well, we see the NWO coming out. Um, they're, lim- they're exiting the limo. They notice the cameraman standing there, and Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan in particular get very nasty with him. But the important thing I found through when they exit the limo is the shirts that they're wearing. Yes, it's the first. Am I right in saying that? It is the first time we've seen those those iconic shirts, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah, because even in the Hulk Hogan promo earlier, um, Hulk Hogan was just wearing the NWO shirt that looked like it had been spray-painted on. Uh, Yeah, this is the first time all three are wearing the same uh, NWO shirt with the um, white square around it. And, um, yeah, they come out, they get angry at the cameraman for being there. And, yeah, the excitement level definitely went up. Yeah, they're telling somebody to stay in the limo and get the camera away, aren't they? They're hiding someone in the limo, which was interesting. And if this is the first time, which it is, you are correct, the first time we're seeing that uh, that iconic NWO t-shirt, 
we're going to start getting the NWO, you know, the, the following announcement has been paid for by the NWO and they try and sell their own merch in these segments coming up in future weeks. And yeah. it's brilliant. Like Scott Hall at one point gives offers you a, a special offer. Uh, if you buy two, it will cost you the price of two. <laughs> just stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> that does sound brilliant. But yeah, just looked it up. John Studd uh, did train Ron Studd actually in 1994, and but Big John Studd passed away the next year. So yeah, definitely. So it's so it's John Studd we have to blame for this. Then is what you're saying? <laughs> well, he wasn't around to take the blame. <laughs> no, that's it. Oh dear. Um, mean Gene speaks with Savage after his victory over the Yeti and Savage uh, basically tells everyone he's living on the edge because uh, Mean Gene's asking about his mental state and he seems paranoid and he seems edgy and he seems dangerous and I'm thinking Gene you've worked with this guy since the mid 80s he's always been like that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, Savage says the brilliant line yes I'm living on the edge if you're not living on the edge, then you're taking up too much room. I liked that. That was quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. That actually got a nice pop, didn't it? Mm. Yes. Um, next up, we get teased. Because it is all, uh, only a tease. Because we, we don't get the match. We, uh, Sting and Luger are facing the Steiners. And the crowd are pretty wild about this, as you'd imagine. Because you've got Sting and Luger. Two huge baby faces. You've got the Steiners. A hugely popular tag team. And... Again, I suppose it plays into the fact that Scott might be hurt because we don't get the match. But during this, the four horsemen are seen running outside to the limo, but the limo is empty. We cut back to the uh, to the to the ring to the match, and Nick Patrick's calling for the bell, and we th- we get a replay of Rick Steiner and Lex Luger tying up. Rick Steiner pushes Luger back. He barely touches Nick Patrick, and Nick Patrick's like, nope, not having that, and disqualifies Luger and Sting. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, I love the fact that the Four Horsemen ran to the limo because it made sense from last week where they were beaten down, spray-painted on. I feel if Ric Flair had just come out for his match or come out for a, a promo later on, it wouldn't have made sense because why isn't he looking for the NWR to get revenge from last week? So the fact that we had that little scene of um, all of the four horsemen running to the limo was just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. Sting and Luger are incredibly cross about this and chase Nick Patrick to the back, which will come up again in a few moments with some of the silliest television I think I've ever seen. But, Silly, silly in an entertaining way. We'll give them yeah. the benefit of the date, shall we? Uh, because that then takes us already, Danny. We have flown through this episode of Nitro. That then takes us effectively to our main event, and it's a big eight-man tag, isn't it? Yep, yeah, it certainly is. We have the Dungeon of Doom taking on all four members of the Four Horsemen, and uh, just before the match happen, uh, begins, we hear from Eric Bischoff that something is happening backstage. Yes, and there's police backstage, we're told. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we, we do cut back there in a moment. Before we get to that, I think we need to talk about the opening of this contest. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan starts the match for the Dungeon of Doom. And... 
we've been pretty complimentary about some of the stuff Mongo McMichael has done in the ring, considering how green the guy is. He's worked a pay-per-view match against somebody else with very limited ability. He's worked in tag matches and kind of hid some of his shortcomings. And the more I see him on the screen, the more he feels like he belongs with the horseman in the T-shirts and the promos. And he's very good, you know, very confident talker as well. The opening of this match, though, he, he really doesn't look like he belongs, does he? No, it was a bit ropey um, to start with him, but I think maybe you could have started on it with this with um, Arn Anderson, um, but that's just hindsight, isn't it? Just, mm. But I was happy to see that Kevin Sullivan's back in his wrestling gear, though. Yeah, there was that. There was that. Um, Mongo almost seemed like once he made a mistake, because he's, he's going to get whipped to the ropes, but goes down instead and then there's another occasion where Sullivan looks like he's trying to give him a clothesline but Mongo thinks he's being sent to the ropes and there's just a lot of confusion there when those mistakes have happened it's almost like Mongo then tries far too hard in the next couple of moments to make up for it yeah and he nearly falls off the ropes at one point when he's climbing up to do a move and you can see the adrenaline's pumping and he's working he needs to slow down a little bit to me yeah you know, it seems like he's trying too hard. I've got the utmost respect for, for Steve McMichael. Go, come, you know, 15 years in the NFL, then coming into this crazy world of pro wrestling and being featured very prominently when I would suggest he's not ready. And that's not his fault. This takes time. You know, this takes time. You can't just click your fingers and, and expect to be the second coming of Ric Flair, for argument's sake. Yeah. I think Especially he's done very he's... well, considering how quickly he's been put into that position. But on this yeah. occasion, it, it may, he looked a bit out of his depth, Danny. Is there anything anything you want to add to that, mate? Yeah, I was just going to say, especially when you've got um, three tag team partners like who are that good in the ring, like Arn Anderson, Ric Flair and Chris Benoit, you're going to stand out if you're not at their level. Mm, yes, yes, very true. Uh, we basically get Benoit and the Barbarian taking over. And they just chop the living crap out of each other for about 30 seconds yeah. um, <laughs> before we then cut to backstage and the police and everything that's going on. And Sting and Luger are chasing Nick Patrick. <laughs> this is just fantastic. They're chasing Nick Patrick out of the arena. And he starts running to the limousine, doesn't he? And you're yeah. thinking, ah, here we go. Here's the reveal of Nick Patrick being in the NWO. But he turns off to the right, and it's like, okay, he wasn't going to the limo. He's just trying to get away from Luger and Sting. But DiBiase comes out of nowhere and is getting into the limo. So there's no grey areas now. We know where DiBiase's allegiances lie. Luger looks like he's going to chase after the limo on foot, and Sting disappears from the shot. And then, honestly, it made me jump. Sting appears out of nowhere with what looks like a fucking boulder and smashes the the window of the limo. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Uh, talk talk us through this this segment, Danny, and, and what you thought as this was occurring. Yeah, this was a bit weird because, yeah, as you said, Sting just disappeared. I was thinking, oh, is he chasing after someone else? Maybe Nick Patrick had uh, ran a circle around him. But no, he, as you said, he appears with a massive brick, uh, throws it through the window, and then um, the limo just speeds off. And Sting and Lex Luger are just like, what should we do? What should we do? And then they see a police car 
and they pushed the police officer out of the way, jumped in the car in full wrestling gear, um, no t shirts <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> and just speed off. And it's like, um, what was going on here? Oh, it was fantastically daft, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, can I you mean, imagine that scene? You basically got a guy with a, a funny blonde ponytail in nothing but his pants and half a bottle of baby oil. And then the guy sat next to him is shirtless with his face painted up, <laughs> chasing after a limo in a police car. I mean, it's just, it's just nonsense, but it is, it's pro yeah. wrestling nonsense. So yeah. I didn't mind it too much, you know? Yeah, no, definitely, mate. And my only regret about this is I wish we got a car camera or at least a, a car chase scene a bit later on. Because um, that oh, would have yeah. made for some brilliant TV. DiBiase there, desperately trying to, uh, I don't know, tape something up against the broken window <laughs> and fight past this boulder Sting's thrown into his car as Sting and Luger are chasing him in the in the police car, sirens going and everything. You know, that would oh, be brilliant man. TV. Yeah, especially if when the police catch up to Sting and Luger on in the car and then pull them out and they're like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word! Uh, we go, but after that craziness, we go back to the ring. Believe it or not, because there is still a match going on, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ric Flair is in the ring. The referee is distracted, so Ric Flair just goes around and dick punches everyone. He just low blows the whole lot of the Dungeon of Doom. And then just in case this wasn't nonsense enough with Sting and Luger stealing a police car, throwing boulders around, and Ric Flair, you know, kicking everyone in the willies. <laughs> we get a Glacier promo just to be on the safe yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, WCW. <laughs> it's just so silly. Yeah. Oh, dear me. Um, we come back and the Dungeon of Doom are in control of Chris Benoit uh, until Bubba comes off the middle rope and Benoit gets a foot up. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get the hot tag here now. But Kevin Sullivan stops that and they carry on beating upon Benoit for a while before the faces of beer enter the ring together and both go for their, their, their dueling top rope kind of headbutt splash, double headbutt effort. They both miss and Ric Flair gets tagged in. And this is when it all breaks down and gets a bit daft. I, I, well, I say this is when it gets daft. It got very daft a few moments ago. But yeah. in the ring, it gets a bit crazy because everyone's in there and everyone's fighting and the referee's lost, lost control. Uh, Flair hit gets the figure four on Kevin Sullivan in the middle of the ring. Woman holds onto Flair's arms, and Flair actually pins Kevin Sullivan using the figure four. So at least the horseman picked up the win. It's chaos. The crowd are massively into it because you're seeing so many different people and so many different things going on at once, I assume. And then the NWO hit the ring. Talk us through this, Danny. Well, just before they do, I did notice something because I rewound this a couple of times. And I noticed that woman and Chris Benoit were loudly arguing with each other. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So that's that's another little storyline avenue that I'm excited to hear about. But yeah, I wonder what they were talking about. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, the NWO, the Outsiders and Hulk Hogan come out. They just start attacking. Scott Hall is throwing some fantastic punches on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson that I just loved to see. And then Kevin Ash gets in the ring, power bombs people, just but then so yeah, um there's just chaos everywhere. The NWO's just taking everyone apart. And then 
the giant arrives and all is yes. well for WCW. Well, the crowd cheer, the don't they? The crowd cheer because yeah. the giant's yeah. here to make the save, Danny. Yeah, all, all is well with WCW. Oh, so we thought. <laughs> the giant grabs the barbarian and this, to me, Eric Bischoff is the MVP of this because Bobby Heenan just pisses off. He's like, I'm out of here for the second week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and the way Bischoff sells this giant heel turn, well, he was, was a heel, but this giant turn is just fantastic. It's so realistic how he sells. It's like he's really caught by surprise. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's, well, he's distraught, isn't he? He's, you know, yeah. the NWO already causing trouble, and now they've got the giant in, in their fold. It's, it's a huge get for them, I suppose. Uh, yeah. This is where Randy Savage appears, and it, basically everyone just gets their ass kicked then, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Just ab- wild trash being thrown in the ring. Um, Savage just wa- waffles people with a chair, but then well, he eventually gets overtaken. And I found this was very interesting, that Hulk Hogan pulls out a yellow can of spray paint and um, and just spray paints a yellow streak on Macho Man's back, um, mm. very symbolic. And yeah, the NWO just overtake everything, go back to the announced Mountains booth as they did last week, start just... And we hear, which I was shocked about. Um, I didn't know the giant actually explained why he joined the NWO, and he basically said uh, he did this for the money because, yeah, like he was tempted by the million dollar, well, by Ted DiBiase <laughs> to do. It. And now we know Ted DiBiase's role in the NWO as well. He's a recruiter. Well, he's. I would suggest he's financing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With the so whole million dollar man about- gimmick. Yeah, when they were talking about Billionaire Ted, were they talking about him? Oh, that's a shout. Mm. Look at that, Danny. Detective Danny. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking, because he can't be the million uh, million dollar man, Ted, but he can be a billionaire. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the giant, when they get to the commentary desk, basically says that DiBiase called him, said he wishes to discuss business. He met DiBiase in Florida, in what turned out to be Hogan's house. And he said, I took that call in a very modest house of mine. When I took the meeting, I went to a house where instead of one Harley Davidson, there was 20. Instead of one Mercedes, there was five. This massive mansion of Hogan's and all of this could be yours. And there's a little seed sown earlier on in this episode of Nitro when Hogan does his solo um, broadcast, you know, the following announcement has been paid for by the NWO and it's just Hogan in the black and white and, and, and so on. And Hogan actually says, you're talking, you know, about Flair and Arn and, and Luger and Sting and so on. You're talking about being friends and your history and, and so on. We're doing this for business. We're working together for business reasons. And that kind of hints a little bit at the money being thrown at the giant to join the NWO here. I mean, it was quite a clever little, really subtle, but clever little touch that kind of almost foreshadows what happens, but you don't pick up on it until the giant then talks about why he has switched. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, that really was, man. And that's what WSW are really good at doing at, at this moment. They're really good at sowing those tiny little seeds that you'll remember later. So I'm hoping with, with that. I mean, because there was one thing when woman and um, Chris Benoit were arguing with each other. It took me back to 
uh, WCW Clash, which we just recently watched, where they were arguing with each other as well. So something's going on there. Well, this is true. This is true. There was an argument where he, he being Benoit, was attacking Sullivan, and woman came out and said to stop. He's had enough. There was then the issue where Sullivan, sorry, Benoit was taking his jacket off of woman's help and got stuck. And that caused the Giants to be able to drop kick him and, and defeat him very quickly. And then we get this one. So we're obviously heading to something, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. And I just feel bad for the Dungeon of Doom. They've lost their big monster that we've, since the, 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 since Nights has started, the Giant has been with Kevin Sullivan. But now that's no more. I don't feel bad for the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> Not even in the slightest. <laughs> but, uh, that's what a question I was going to ask you, Sai, is um, what do you think about this turn? Because Hulk Hogan and the Giant have been at such odds for basically a year, maybe before that. Um, it's a bit odd, isn't it, for him to just... Um... Have- I suppose you can explain that side of things away with the aspect of what the Giants said at the commentary desk at the end of the show. Yeah. DiBiase rang him and he's been promised all this money and, 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 and you know, all that great stuff and all the, the riches that come from being with the NWO. And Hogan himself even says at the end in the same promo segment, he wanted a part, he being the Giant, sorry, wants a part in the next Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I, Hollywood Hogan, can make that happen. And so you can understand why that might have happened. I mean, from the NWO standpoint, they're not only gaining, again, we're talking kayfabe storyline-wise, but from an NWO standpoint, they're gaining a seven-foot-four, 450-pound, you know, legit giant, a former world champion. It's a huge get for their organization in their battle with WCW. But it's not only the fact that they're gaining that, you got to remember, WCW are losing that as well. Mm. So the threat of the giant against Hogan for the world title is took away. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of why I could see the NWO and Hogan wanting the giant involved. The giant joining, I can fully understand it's financial. He made it very clear. It's a business decision. Yeah. Is what it is. From a uh, booking standpoint, a storyline standpoint... My hang-up with this would be that the NWO at this moment in our timeline are an invading faction from outside. Yeah. So you've got Hogan, who, yes, he's been in the WW, sorry, in WCW for a few years, but he was always still seen as that WWF guy. Yeah. Hall and Nash have come in directly from, from New York, directly from the WWF, as the outsiders. And then T- Ted DiBiase is is a WWF guy as well. Yeah, he's 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 notorious for the million dollar man gimmick and and working that way for for Vince and so on. That group of people is still very much an invading faction. The giant turning, a negative part of that could be. Now it's no longer this outside group trying to take over, because the giant was a WCW guy who was switched. So it kind of takes away a little bit of that aura from the NWO. Yeah. Or the other side of the coin, the NWO are that appealing, they can tempt anyone over. Yeah. So it's that kind of, there's lots of different sides to this, I think. Yeah, definitely, mate. And Hulk Hogan even teases that there'll be more members joining as well. Mm. 
Yes, indeed. Well, they, they speak about it on commentary, to be fair. Um, not yeah. on commentary. Uh, well, yes, on commentary, but before they but Bischoff does a runner. They are saying, well, what happens at four brawl? Because they've got, you know, four guys, but the giant is still supposed to be facing Savage. So who is the fourth guy in, in the War Games match and so on? So, well, that's sorry, that's not actually on the commentary for this event, but that's what I've heard on a future show. So they're still asking that question, Danny. So there must be yeah. more coming very, very soon. Absolutely, mate. And we get the iconic um, uh, sort of like, I've seen this in GIF form and picture form everywhere that you can imagine of Hulk Hogan picking up the WW Nitro logo and spitting on it. I'd never seen the giant do it, though. Mm. I mean, uh, th- that moment there as well the way that the way the stage is set up i think adds to this because yeah. the nwo have left the ring and it's carnage it's another scene of destruction everyone's you know, wiped out in the ring and they walk back to where the commentary area is to do these promos and spit on the sign and so on so when the wcw guys come around they can't get to the drain the changing rooms the dressing rooms or anything without passing the nwo guys again so we get a second fight, but this time it's on a bit of a clearing, a bit of a clearing in the crowd down by where the announce booth is. And it's basically like a riot scene with so many people fighting and, and the NWO eventually fight them off again. But it's really dramatic because by this point, of course, uh, Heenan is long gone. He's not hanging around at all. <laughs> Bischoff has gone as well. So we've got no commentary on top of this. It's just the guys beating the shit out of each other. And, and you get people like Flair who are just punching anything that moves. Uh, Horde is tied up with Mongo. It's it's really just quite dramatic television again. And now we've had the turn. We, we've had DiBiase confirmed. I mean, we all knew it anyway, but we've had DiBiase confirmed as NWO. We've had the giant turn. And again, we're going off air with the NWO looking strong, having destroyed everything in front of them. I can't wait for next week again. Yeah, same. I mean, will we get also charges filed on Lex Luger and Sting. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that was a very good subplot as well because that's why Sting and Lex, that would explain why they're not there because they're obviously chasing um, just Ted DiBiase on his own and whoever else is in that limo. Well, this is it. They've been distracted and removed yeah. from, from the situation, I suppose. So it was a clever yeah. ploy again. So... But there we go. Uh, I suppose then, Danny, with that being the end of Nitro for that week, we better rate the show in our usual way. Give it our hit, miss or middling or first of all, our high points and our low points, our positives and our negatives, our woos and our oh brothers, my friend. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go second this week, mate. Okie doke, I will go first of all with my O brother. I will start with the negative. I've actually got two. Yeah. One is Buddy Valentino and Greg Valentine. Yeah. Looks so out of place. They looked so out of place. They just didn't belong. Yeah. And lastly, for my O brother, is the WWE Network itself. Yeah. When I bought up this episode of Nitro, and I mean, I know what was going to happen. I'm assuming quite a few people listening on yourself, Danny, could guess what was going to yeah. happen as we're going along as well. But I thought to myself, if for one of my children was watching along with me, they would have no idea about what was going to happen here. Yeah. But the thumbnail, the logo for this edition of Nitro had the giant with the NWO on it before I'd even press play. Oh, 
um, in the in in the description in the description of the episode, it yeah. clearly states the giant lets everyone know where his allegiances lie. Again, giving away a yeah. massive part of this episode. So yeah. I just think WWE Network is has been a bit yes, okay, it's it's thirty year old television, so you can't really go oh spoiler. But there are, I mean, there are young kids watching this who have never seen WCW before. Out there, I would imagine. I mean, I yep. know my my wife's nephew is a big wrestling fan, but he's very young. WCW started after uh, WCW died, sorry, before he was born. He's watching bits of WCW now as he's getting into it. This would be new to him, and that to me is you don't need it there, do you? Let's be no. honest. No, it, it it takes me back to I think it was. Fatal. It was a pay per view called uh, Fatal Four Way 2010, and I remember going into ASDA and uh, on the DVD cover of WWE uh, Fatal Four Way 2010, they have a picture of Sheamus, I think Alicia Fox, and somebody else holding the championships that they won on the night. So oh why God. bother buying the DVD? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again. In it's thirty-year-old television, and, and yeah. that 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 pay-per-view, of course, had been you know around for a while before it was released on DVD and so on. Yeah. So you can argue, oh, you're not getting spoilers. Of course not. Just a little bit of common sense, though, for those maybe who yeah. haven't seen it. It doesn't take much, does it? No, no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> what about your old brother, my friend? What's your negative this week? It would have to be not Greg Valentine and Greg Valentine, um, uh, Buddy Valentino. It would just be Buddy Valentino because, yeah, he just wasn't any good, was he? <laughs> You're a bit of a Greg Valentine mark, aren't you? I am, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we saw him at, uh, all the way this year, in 2023, he appeared at the Hall of Fame. Yes. Um, I'm just mesmerised with the man. The man, yes, he's looked old as hell, but he looks just as old here in 1996 as he does in 2023 yeah exactly uh my woo this week will be uh, yet again same as last week the nwo and the closing to the show just great television even with the really silly car chase and and the boulder (laughs) through the window what about you danny it would be similar to that but it would have to be Eric Bischoff's um, sell job on when the giant turned heel because, man, he owned it. Even he he had Mike Tanay there as well, but mm. Eric Bischoff owned this heel turn. He was just like, no, he was. He sounded like someone had just killed his dog or something like that. <laughs> he was so devastated and. He was just like, especially after all these weeks of talking up. Oh, there's no fourth man. There's no fifth man. It was like, wow, it all came to a head right there. Very cleverly done, wasn't it? Very cleverly yeah. done. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So overall, hit, miss or middling, my friend? Big hit, mate. Loved it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to next week. I'm exactly the same. It's a hit from me. Yeah. Not, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't quite reach the heights of last week's episode. Yeah. But it's still bloody good. Yeah. And if you can if you can suspend your disbelief and ignore the silliness of the car chase and and Sting and Luger stealing a police car and it, even the silly stuff was entertaining. So yeah, yeah for me it, it's a hit as well, bud. Awesome. So then next week we have another episode of Nitro, but it's the go home show, I believe, Danny, isn't it? Yep, it is. Yep. 
the go-home show for Fall Brawl 96. Exciting stuff. John, let everyone know whereabouts they can find you and the awesome content and shows you are involved in, my friend. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Backwind with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we'll be talking more WCW Gold with the great Cy Powell. Oh, again, you're very kind. You're very kind. Uh, <laughs> Anything I'm involved in, you can find on the network that carries this show. That's SJP World Media on all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. Uh, we've got all sorts on there. I run through it every week. Everyone should know it by now. Loads of wrestling content, modern day and nostalgia. Loads of shows looking at film, TV, sports, all sorts of stuff, and more coming all the time. That's at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. But most importantly, this show you can find on Facebook and Twitter at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights danny i've had a blast my friend me too mate looking forward to next week yeah absolutely <laughs> me too me too and to everyone else as always thank you for listening <laughs>